You're listening to Grace and Fire, brought to you by Emerging Women. Today, my guest is Kristen Wheeler. Kristen is a business consultant and executive coach who believes that workplaces should be arenas where people thrive while creating amazing results. For more than 20 years, she has offered expert guidance on matters of IT, strategy, and leadership for clients like Arthur Anderson, White Wave Foods, eBay, and other Fortune 500 companies. She has synthesized her unique blend of experience into strategies that she calls native genius. In her words, native genius strategies help people and their companies understand, identify, and apply an innate uber intelligence to solve tough issues and get bottom line results, while also cultivating meaning and verve. Kristen Wheeler is a featured presenter at the 2013 Emerging Women Live Conference in Boulder, Colorado. In today's episode, Kristen and I spoke about native genius and how to cultivate this intelligence in your business life. How native genius gives rise to our strengths and not the other way around. How to ask for and use feedback from community and relationships to identify the multiple aspects of your unique innate intelligence. Embracing uncertainty and going where you feel loved. And finally, the difference between what you are passionate about and your native genius. Here is my conversation, Native Genius, the intersection of competency and shizzle with the insightful Kristen Wheeler. Welcome, Kristen. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Yay. It's great to have you. And uh, for those of you who don't know, Kristen is also one of my really, really good friends as on top of being a strategic advisor for emerging women. And I've been incorporating her work, Native Genius, into my process with emerging women. And it's been fantastic. And I'm noticing so much. So I just so appreciate it. What I was thinking is that maybe we, well, before we start throwing native genius around, because once you hear the term and you get it, you actually do start throwing it around. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So why don't you just tell us what you mean by native genius and give us a nice full context and then we can go from there. Great. So native genius is a unique natural intelligence that is so innate that you might not notice it. And it's sometimes it's a little bit like a fish being in water and um, it comes so naturally the fish would be like, okay, yeah, what else do you want me to do? Like, this is not a big deal, this thing that I'm doing and it feels easy and it's also super valuable to the people around us. And, you know, I want people to know that just like their teeth, they <laughs> this is a silly example, but just like their teeth, they use them to chew, your native genius you use in your work and to contribute in your world and that everybody has it and that once you tune into it, it sometimes it takes a while to get and everybody is on a different journey with understanding their unique intelligence. And, but once you get it, it it clicks in and people are like, Oh, you know, sometimes I'll be working with a group or an individual for, 
you know, a month or so, and then it starts to click in and they say, wow, I'm really starting to get the power of this. So some examples would be, um, you know, so I was working with somebody the other day that works in a corporation and it, it was that getting it kind of thing. And he said, I'm realizing this is so personal and it really is. It's very personal and intimate and native geniuses are things that you do that you can't not do. For example, we could put you anywhere and you'd be doing them. Like for you, Chantal, I noticed that no matter where we are, you are reflecting back to people in a way like what your tagline says, the truth of who they are. Like when people start saying what they're up to in the world with their work, you are so excited about it, especially when it comes from a place of authenticity. And we can put you anywhere. I mean, I've seen you in so many different situations and you're doing that. Yeah. And that's one of many things that you would do. So Native Genius is not just one thing, it's many things. So, well, it, yeah. Let me just stop you there, because it's interesting what you started saying about Native Genius. You were saying that it's not like being a fish in water. That's mm. something that I would never point out at myself as something that was valuable or, or that was even, oh, I'm good at this. Right. It's interesting that... Because now when you use that example, I understand what you're saying about being mm-hmm. the fish in water because it's not anything I would no- notice. Right. And, and we, one of the things I like to say is your nothings are your somethings. So the things that feel like nothing to you are actually something. Like, for example, I remember I was doing a consulting uh, project years back. And I, at the end, we, we had a success. And, and I said, what, what was it that was so important? And they said, well, we had failed in this area so many times. And you really made us feel like we could accept our failure and move on. You normalized it. You, you helped us, in a way, deal with our like, guilt and shame around it. They didn't use those words. But you made us feel okay. You gave us hope. And I was like, well, wait, 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 but what about the important stuff? Like I showed you a new interviewing methodology and, you know, we did a new needs assessment and they were like, well, yeah, 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 all that was good, but any consultant could have done that. Like you helped us turn around our minds and our hope, you know? And I was like, oh, well, and I, (laughs) so, so it's, it's really over time and through reflection from people. So I can't say enough that community and our friends and the people who see the best in us and who root for us. Yeah. It's such an important part of, of being able to understand our native genius, to have it reflected back to us because we're trained to think that if something is easy, it's not going to be valuable. And it's not like native genius is easy all the time. And it's not like it brings this blissful happiness all the time. But the kind of challenges that you face when you're using your native genius are the kind of challenges that you want to face. Like a couple of years ago, I did a TEDx talk, and I was very challenged by trying to put content into 10-minute time frame, but I was just so excited about it and eager about it. And you could just see, like my whole, probably even as I'm talking about it right now, when people are talking about their native genius, something in them in a way, lights up. Their eyes get brighter. They sit up straighter. They come forward in their seat. And it's this contagious kind of thing that we want to be around. And they're, they're super resilient in the face of problems because they pay attention to this problem in a certain way. Right. And they bring a kind of curiosity about it 
that other people aren't going to bring because it has to do with, with an aspect of their native genius of getting activated in the face of the problem or the situation. Right. So a couple of things here. What is the process for discovering native genius? Mm -hmm. And then how, like, is there a test or, I mean, I want to rely on my friends, but at the same time, I want to be able to recognize it within myself. Absolutely. Yep. So there are signals that you get in your mind and your body while you're doing something and you can pay attention to these. And these, this is one of the most important things that you can do. So I teach a do-it-yourself method, and we can talk about the aspects of that method. There are also a couple of tests on the market that I can tell you about that will give you a bird's-eye view and can often be very helpful. Sometimes people, at six months after the test, they say, oh, yeah, I took that. It was cool. It kind of resonated, but they don't really remember. But when you start paying attention to when you're working or you're doing something that's active, like you might be tending to your children or you know, in a deep conversation in your relationship, but you're doing something active and you feel excited, you're smiling, you feel helpful, you feel one of the most important aspects is that you feel focused without making yourself be focused. It feels like you're right. bringing that kind of energy, you feel supportive, you, and you even feel smart in the way that is kind of special to you. Like I often say, well, I'm not smart like that and I let go of those things. And you feel you feel satisfied and challenged in a good way and you feel perceptive in a way that's unique to you and I think so when we use mindfulness to be aware of when we're feeling those things and oftentimes I can just ask people tell me about a situation when you were working recently that you were doing something you liked doing and that will bring about those memories and then they report feeling all the kinds of emotions that I just mentioned and that, those are the signals that your native genius is online. And th- one of the things about native genius, too, we feel so immersed. You know, there was a guy out of University of Chicago who called this experience part of what I'm talking about, flow. His name was Mahai Csikszentmihalyi. He's still alive. And he talked about optimal experience and us feeling the things that I just described. Native genius is a combination of that and also doing what feels purposeful to you. In other words, this is the way you want to contribute to your team or your business or the world or your family. So for example, one of my clients said to me the other day, I was on a hike and I, I really kind of felt like in a flow. I felt really good, but I knew that it wasn't my native genius, but why isn't it my native genius? And I loved the question because his name, you know, the way he wants to contribute to the world is not by hiking. I, I have another friend who leads tours, kind of outward bound types of things. And so when he is in nature, his native genius, that's his gift to the world. But this other client, um, his gift is around analytics and strategy and new ventures in business. So, um, Right. The difference is, is this the way you want to contribute? And I'll give another example. This is um, somebody, a client in a Fortune 500 tech company. And we were talking about the kinds of your very first job ever. And did it relate to your native genius now? And he talked about a situation where he was like 16 years old and he was working in a restaurant and there was a coat check. 
But the coat check wasn't set up where it was right by the door. It was kind of this like kludgy situation where the coat check was super far away and there wasn't like a rack and everything. And this restaurant was really busy and he would have to run back and forth and people would be waiting for the coats. And if he wasn't fast, his tips weren't good. So he systematized this whole situation so he could make it as efficient as possible so that he could go back there. He put all the coats in a certain way, like the, the men's in one place and the women's in another place. And he didn't have a coat rack, but he kind of systematized it so he could grab them as fast as possible. And this was really fun for him. And now in his work, you could put him anywhere and he'd be systematizing a process. And right. when he realized this, he was like, oh, my God, I do this all the time right now. I systematize, you know, how our kids get ready for school and the process for how breakfast works and how we get them out the door. And so once he saw that one element, this micro unit of work that he does, he sees how he actually does it in multiple places in his life. Right, right. Interesting. Yeah. So is that a valuable practice for us to engage in right now is to think about early, was that a one-off or is that something you recommend that we think about the, the first jobs that we've yeah, had? Yeah, I think and to or not think was... about, you know, I think that the simple question of what are jobs that you've liked doing and to think about specific moments in time in those jobs, because Native Genius is very nuanced. For example, somebody might like presenting to a group of 10, but if it gets over 10, the intimacy is lost and they don't like it anymore. So it's really important to think of specific moments in time when you were doing something that you really liked and you can think about it early, you know, in early kind of work or school situations and you can think about it in your present work. So this kind of noticing is one of the most important things that you can do. Like another client, we were working with a specific moment in time that she really liked and she was coaching somebody. And when we drilled into what was her favorite part, one of the questions I love is, well, what was your favorite part about what you were doing? And what was your favorite part about that? And what was your favorite part about that? Until we get to the nugget of of the best thing. And what she said was, well, when I brought out this piece of paper and I started drawing what my client was talking about, that was my favorite part. And then I would show her the drawing and say, is this what you're talking about? And she said, yeah, oh my gosh, that's it. You've totally captured what I'm talking about. So what my friend noticed is, um, and, and this client, she said, um, when I go into meetings now, I book rooms where there's a whiteboard or I take in a pen and paper so that I can actually draw. So what I would say is that once you notice what is a small favorite thing that you like to do, then just freaking use the heck out of it as many ways as you can and learn about it. And what do you mean by use it? Like, yeah, so, so using it, you know, so for the, for the woman who loved drawing pictures when she was coaching people or working with a group she just started doing that as much as she could in any kind of situation that she could. Got it. Okay. And then, and she brought consciousness to the fact that she was doing it. So before, before she realized that this was an aspect of her native genius, you know, she might have a notebook with her. She might be in a conference room that had a whiteboard, 
this might be something she used. But once she realized it was an aspect of her native genius, she could remember, oh yeah, this is an aspect of my native genius. And then she could try to use it on the fly and deliberately use it and then realize, okay, this is a special way that I contribute. Got it. Okay. Yeah. So to recap, what we're talking about is noticing specific moment in times when you're feeling the emotions that we talked about. We're talking about then I like to name those moments like with a sound bite. So an example of a sound bite for the drawing would be, you know, drawing pictures to clarify or something like that. Just really simple, not using business speak, you know, um, you know, hers might have been, I forgot what it is, but something like cartoons to clarify or something like that. And boom, she remembers it. And then she tries to use it on the fly. And by using it on the fly, then you get juiced by using your native genius. And it it sort of gives this afterglow effect so that when we're interacting with people later, we still have the leftover juice from that. So it's a very um, motivating kind of thing when you can just find one aspect of your native genius and use it. And where I find that people go wrong is that they try to figure it out all in advance. Like if I could just figure this out, I think that's a big mistake that we make. Somehow we think if we can just figure out what our native genius is, then everything will be better. But that's not actually true because we need the habits and the small practices that will let us do it more. Got it. So it's effortless is what I'm hearing. It's something that can be practiced and noticed in the moment. Um, It's obvious enough that your community will reflect back to you. And it's unique to each and every one of us. Yes, exactly. And it's, and it's multiple things. And I would say, I wouldn't, I probably wouldn't say effortless, but what you're getting at with, I think that word is that it feels natural. It feels comfortable. Right. It feels like a nothing. Like if it feels like a nothing, then it feels so natural. I'm not even giving it, I'm not even noticing it. Right. And sometimes, you know, sometimes we might be using our native genius and things feel hard. So it's not to say that you Got don't want to yeah. do things that feel hard because at times you still feel very, very challenged. But the key difference is it's the challenge that you want to be facing because it's interesting to you and you're like, oh, yeah, this is the kind of puzzle I like versus the kind of puzzle that drains or bores you. Right. So now how is this different from... Now discover your strengths and other mm-hmm. books that are very strength focused. Yeah. So I, I've been, I'm very steeped in the strengths work and in the strengths world. And I started working with that around 2007. Mm-hmm. And the emphasis there is really on discovering, which is great. There is, and, and there's two tests on the market. One is called the strength finder and you can go to the Gallup and take it for nine ninety nine, and it'll give you five of your, what they call top themes. And then you can use these themes to start looking for where those moments might show up for you. Um, It's very, very high level. And some people will say it's not actionable enough, but it will get you started. And I I think that they're super valuable and I still use them in my practice. There's uh, another one called the standout. And um, you can go, I think it's standout.com, but Marcus Buckingham wrote that. And he was also involved in writing the first Strength Finder. So 
I think the difference between strengths and native genius are strengths are what you do in the world. Um, native genius is also what you do in the world, but it's the deeper core aspect of your personality and your native genius gives rise to your strengths. Ah, okay. And, and people typically think that strengths are what we're good at. And really native genius is in a very simple way of saying it. It's the intersection between what you love and what you're good at and what you feel natural doing. Right. So one of the reasons that I, I really like using the words native genius is because people get just the words themselves tell you that it's not just what I'm good at. Because so many people in, in doing the strengths work over the years, they say, well, yeah, but I'm good at this, but I don't like doing it. Right. Because we can all think of things oh, that we're yes. good at. Uh-huh. Yeah. And we certainly don't, and, and those things might drain us and bore us. They, they feel, they really strain our minds and bodies because we have to force ourselves to do them. And when we're talking about the feminine, you know, when we start using force, we get in a place where our bodies have a lot of tone and we're using a lot of will. Right. And it's, um, yeah, it can be just super, super straining on our systems over time. And I have a feeling that as people are listening to this, they're thinking, oh, right, I know what that straining feels like. And there's yeah. a difference between straining and force and hard work and liveliness and it, focus. Is there a place in the body or is there a way to recognize in the body if something has more of a native genius feel versus a strength? I'm good at this, but I don't love it feel. Yeah. So I think the, I think that the sensations in the body will be different for everybody. Right. Um, for me, I feel a kind of, you know, really from my feet up, I feel like energy rising and almost kind of moving out of the top of my head. I feel my eyes get big and I feel myself literally kind of moving forward, almost like I could like stand up out of my chair. And oftentimes when I'll be in a group and I'll say, does anybody's native genius want to do this thing that we need done? And you can just kind of see people's like hands shoot up. They're like, I want to do that. So that's the, you know, the, those are the, some of the, right. the feelings that I experience. Got it. Okay. Yeah. So that's, that's helpful with the strengths and the, and it just seems like you can't really take a test to figure out your native genius because it feels so unique. It is. No, no it, test is going to tell you your, na your native genius is drawing pictures, um, capturing people's thoughts. Right. Right? So the, exactly. So the, the test may give you a theme that points you in the right direction. It might say, you like ideating. And that can be super helpful. I, I remember I took, I took a test one time, and it, and it was a strength finder, and it said, one of mine is ideation. And I realized, I'm not doing enough ideation. This test is right. I do love doing that. And so I could look for ways that I could actually bring that to action. But what I found is that I think what we, we tend to do is over-focus on the, on the discovery aspect. The discovery aspect is only one of many aspects of being able to actually use your native genius. Got it. So, and what we need to have is a habit of discovering over and over and over again. 
Um, because I'm still discovering, like I know many aspects of my native genius, but obviously our work is changing all the time. We're in different situations and I'm constantly learning about mine because I have the habit of doing that. Right. And then the, some of the other habits that I talked about are note, like I talked about noticing. I talked about when, you know, naming, the, asking yourself, what is the favorite thing of the favorite thing? And then naming that, like, right. you know, clarifying with cartoons and then remembering that you do that and using it on the fly. And then another thing that you can do is all of those things are internal things, things that you do within yourself, but you can also change the environment. So um, one of my clients is a VP for, uh, again, a Fortune 500 tech company, and she when she was 16 years old, she was waiting tables. And one of the things she realized, obviously the, the whole restaurant was split up by, in a way, geography. And her tables were in a certain section. And what she realized is when people came in for lunch, she really liked working um, with the businessmen and waiting on them who needed to get in and out really quickly. And one of her colleagues liked work, waiting on the moms with kids. And so they asked their manager, okay, can we switch this up so that we can, you know, basically segment it by customer. And so she was naturally influencing the environment so that it would call on her native genius more. So Uh that's another thing that we can do. We can create more opportunities in our environment. Now, let's go back to the community. And you mentioned a couple of times when you were working with teams, how can we leverage feedback from our, whether it's teams at work or whether it's community or if we're in some kind of a circle, a professional circle, how can we develop practices so that we're giving each other feedback and also, you know, keeping that discovery process going? Yeah, that's a great question. So one of the things I think is is simply asking people, what do you see me do that I kind of do naturally and I do it in multiple environments, like small things. And you can also say, what do you see me get excited about? So then you're asking for, for reflection. The other thing I think that is super, super important is just to be asking people around you, Hey, what was your favorite thing that you've worked on this week? And tell yeah. me about that. And what was your favorite thing about that favorite thing? Right. And then you're, you're getting at what their native genius is. And when you're, you know, when you are thinking about, okay, I need help with this. I need somebody else to do it. You want to find somebody who has the natural, unprompted desire to do it. One of the key factors is unprompted desire to do something. This is a huge ingredient in Native Genius. It's part of those, all those emotions that I talked about. The reason that you feel so smart and satisfied and challenged in a good way is because you have unprompted desire to do this thing meaning that you don't have to manufacture the desire and nobody else does either in you. So you're not doing it because you want a raise or because you want, um, you know, recognition. You're doing it because you have unprompted desire to do it. So when you're thinking about, you know, in, uh, across a team or across, you know, a community who has unprompted desire to do something and to really be thinking about that versus just who's good at it. Yeah. And so, so that's within community and I could see, you know, we've kind of been doing that in our community um, for sure with emerging women and it's been super helpful. I'm noticing a lot of things that are, that I'm trying to do more of, but 
the other thing that I wanted to ask you about was relationships. I'm curious mm-hmm. to see if this comes into play in a more intimate setting. Definitely. So the things, you know, if you, if you imagine that you have like a net of jewels, many things that you do that you can't not do that are very small. So you're going to be doing those no matter where you are. So you're also doing these in your relationship. So, you know, one of the things that my partner talks about is how I'll help him drop into his feelings more. Mm. And so again, yeah, um, whatever we do in our work, we're going to be doing in our lives as well. And the more, you know, I think so many people are tired that we, because we have to put a mask on to go to work in a way, like somehow we have to, um, I know that has been a big source of pain in my life, um, feeling like I had to be something I wasn't, or I had to somehow show up and be something somebody else wanted me to be, or that if, in order to earn money, I couldn't just be myself. I must have to be something else, you know? So again, I think it's, it's looking for those things. And I think in your relationship, one way that you could spark this is to ask each other, like, what are the things that I do for you that make you feel really loved? And then you can ask yourself, okay, do those things come naturally to me or do I have to, you know, do I feel like I'm really stepping outside of myself? So I think my, my, one of the things that my partner would say is that, you know, like I said, he help, she helps me feel on a deeper level. And she also helps me celebrate when I, when I do things in my life that, that I was, you know, afraid to do or that were big challenges. And um, you could put really pretty much put me anywhere and I would be celebrating people and I would be um, helping them get in touch with their feelings. And those things aren't, don't feel hard for me. Right, right. You know, if he said, if he, and here's another clue. If he said, well, I really feel loved when you make me cookies, that one I'd be like, oh, okay, you know. Right, and right. It's, it's okay when I make him cookies, but I, I sort of think, well, like anybody can make cookies. And, but you know what? His mom, part of our native genius is totally making cookies. Like she gets so excited. I emailed her these, a photo of these cookies that I made according to her recipe recently. And she was like, the way they look is perfect. How did you get them to look that way? I was like, I don't know. But she was like so interested in this. And one of the ways you know if it's your native genius is if somebody thanks you for it, you sort of like gush a little bit inside. You're like, I love it when people thank me for that. But if somebody thanks you for something, you're like, oh, well, yeah, you know, you're welcome. Probably not your native genius. Got it. That's interesting. So there's two things about that that's interesting. I think one, just as women, we tend to, when people compliment us, I, I feel inside, you know, I think we, I think this is a common thing um, that we deflect, you know, receiving yes. thanks. And, but yes. there are things that are easier that we deflect less, so to speak. Do you know what I mean? So it is possible yeah. to weed through that by noticing our native genius, because we do, I, I know that some things that I really love doing that are my native genius, when I am thanked for that, I feel more in my power when I receive the thanks. Totally. Yeah. yeah. And you know, there's something with regard to the feminine and as it relates to native genius, one of the reasons I think that, I want to go back to this 
thing that we were talking about in the body. When we're using the opposite of our native genius, so non-native abilities, we tend to have to use a lot of tone and a lot of force. And we, we think that we can do things through will, but research has shown there's actually, will is a very precious commodity and we don't have as much of it as we think. And when we're using will, we're not as in touch with things that we value in the feminine world, like intuition, like receptivity. So I know when I'm using my native genius, I'm so much more receptive to information that my, my team is giving me, that my clients are giving me. When I'm using will and I'm doing things that are non-native, I just want to freaking get through them. So, and there's this cumulative effect. When we're using a lot of will, I find that I just get, I just get in a way wound really tightly. My nervous system gets super amped and I'm really not in touch with femininity or feminine principles. And sometimes I'll even like a switch will go off in me and I'm like, I don't care. I just got to get this done. You know, in fact, I was, I was feeling that way yesterday. And then, um, a moment of serendipity happened and I was like, okay, oh my gosh, I can let this go. I got to switch back into native genius mode. And it's, it really is a practice. You know, I got to switch back and approach this thing in a way that is going to use my native genius. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that is such a big key because with strengths I've taken, believe me, I've, I can't even, I've done all the tests, it seems like, mm-hmm. you know, and I you keep the information, but it has never influenced my life in any way, except for taking up space in my brain, mm. you know, and I think that having a practice around this work is, uh, it's the best thing that we could do, really. Yeah, yeah. So, um, and you've given, our podcast is chock full of practices, so I, I hope that people can um, sift through this and use these little tidbits that you've given. It's been fantastic. Yeah. And let, let's just recap. So it's noticing when, you know, when you're feeling the emotions of feeling satisfied, smart, challenged, but in a good way, and you're focused without making yourself be focused. And you know that this is the kind of difference you want to make in the world. Right. And, and then also that you, you know, you ask yourself, what's your favorite thing? And what's your favorite thing of that favorite thing? You make a sound bite. You remember the sound bite. You use it on the fly, and you create more opportunities to be able to use it on the fly. Okay. So those are the and and don't worry about figuring out everything at once. If you find one aspect of your native genius, and then you know, be in community with this. So tell somebody about it. Ask somebody about theirs. Get a buddy, and really celebrating. Like when I know. Um, one of my clients at a um, big company, you know, I, I asked her, what, what is, we'd worked together for a while, and I said, what has been valuable to this, about this process for you? And she said, you know what, before in my work, I might be working on something that I liked, but I didn't see that as a significant event. Now I look at something and I say, oh my gosh, I'm using my native genius. And you could see that she was celebrating herself and knowing, I think another thing as this relates to feminine principles, we tend to discount feelings of pleasure. Oh, yeah. And sure. distrust them, right? Right. Yeah. It's like, well, why, how is that valuable? You know? And, and so what she was doing is she was breaking it down and realizing, like, within this moment of pleasure, not only 
like, do I get to feel good in my work and feel fulfilled? But I know that I am more curious, more perceptive. I'm generating through neuroplasticity. I mean, she wasn't saying these things, but she just got the impact, you know, through neuroplasticity, we're changing our brains to be more curious. And then we're, we're developing a better intelligence that's unique to us. And we're also, our contributions to the team are so much greater. Like this has all been shown in research that when we're using our native genius, our contributions are not just a little bit better, but they're exponentially better because of the way we're learning and, the, and you know, the, the way our minds are working when we're using it. Right. I think it's also helpful for entrepreneurs, not just, you know, leaders and organizations, but when you're in the swamp of, you know, just so many things going on, it's good to recognize your native genius and you can plan for it and start a future where you're just working through your native genius and you're hiring people whose native genius are the things that you were doing in the swamp that may not have been as effective. Exactly. And, um, you know, for the longest time, because I'm a CPA, I would do my own books and because I could, because I felt like there was literally, it was like, well, why I would give myself the message and I would talk to myself in this way. Why should I, you know, when I can do this, why should I outsource it? Like I'm a CPA and doing taxes are not that hard. I should just do it. Well, not only is that not good for my, you know, my well-being and my native genius, it's also not good for my business because once I, I freed myself up from the kind of constraints of my own like limited thinking, I realized, oh my gosh, I could pay somebody else to do this and I, my billing rate is more than what I would be paying them. <laughs> you know, I was like, this doesn't even make sense for my business. Right. You know, but I was stuck in, in kind of old ways of thinking because I think when we think, well, I can do this, which means that I, because I have the skill and it's not a difficult skill, I should do it. But it's just not true. You know, my, I, would, I would wait till the last minute and do my taxes. It was like, you know, it was like so much suffering for myself. And now that I've outsourced it, it's so much better. Right. Well, you, you have quite a journey, and I, I'm hoping that we'll hear more about that at the main event in October. But you, you worked as a CPA, and now you're doing what your native genius is, is helping people discover their native genius. Mm-hmm. And I'm curious to see, as we're wrapping up this podcast, um, if you could give other women who are in that process, mm-hmm. who are at the precipice of really claiming their native genius and the truth of who they are and manifesting that truth in the world. What wisdom do you have for those emerging women? I would say embrace uncertainty and go where you feel love. Because when I stepped in a way out of the business world and I kept thinking I wanted to get out of the business world, I did these two master's degrees that I loved more than I still get chills thinking about it. I still get chills thinking about being at this one school. And I never, it it felt crazy. Like, what am I going to do with these master's degrees? I don't know how I'm going to bring them into action. But I, I was, I started using in small ways what I did in these master's degrees in my consulting practice. And it was then that my consulting practice, like, totally took off in a really surprising way. Yeah. So, you know, I would say do these, do these small practices and 
keep going towards these feelings because if you do them in, in small ways and you get support for doing them, they will not send you wrong. Your values will spill out of them. You know, um, your passions will spill out of them. I have found like if you, I, if you go towards your passions, you can miss your native genius because I'm passionate about eating healthy food, but I don't want to cook it. I don't want to make menus about it. I don't want to teach other people to make it. Eating healthy food is not my native genius. I'm passionate about it. And I go out of my way to eat it, but it's not what I want to build my career around it because I don't like doing things with it. So I would say embrace the uncertainty of doing the things that give you these special feelings. Right. Yeah. I think that was a very important point. The passion versus native Mm. genius. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Well, good. Well, I feel uh, very excited to hear more and to have you at the event in October. And I think the more that people are working in their native genius, I can only imagine that the world and the workplace and the way that we work is just only going to get better. Totally. Yeah. And, and thank you so much for having me. And, you know, it's such it's such a pleasure to be working with emerging women and all of us learning and growing so much and I'm just I'm so happy to be part of this community and I I'm so excited about October. Yay! Yeah. Okay.